0: This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it because on today's show. Today, featuring on Kixie 880 a.m. First of all, welcome everybody to the show. We have a wonderful guest for you today. He's a world-renowned speaker. He does over 100 dates a year. He's a teacher. He's an author. He's a a coach. He's a results leader. He's he's an avid reader. And just like me, he's a poor golfer. Um, But uh, first of all, Eric, how are you today, sir? Hey, happy Friday, Kevin. I'm
1: doing okay. How are you?
0: I'm doing just fabulous, thank you. It's been it's been a great day, and I had a had a wonderful show at noon. We're going to have a great show today. Now, the noon show, of course, I do on KKNW, and this is the new one that we have on Kixie. And uh, I want to thank you for allowing me to be here. Oh well, of course,
1: yeah, we love having you on the air with us.
0: Well, that's 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 good.
1: <laughs> good.
0: <laughs> Because it would suck otherwise. Any, in any event, um, Danny Brussell is our our guest, and he is he's a he's got a doctorate. He does a lot of speaking. He's he has been called um, a cross between Jim Carrey and Robin Williams, and and one of the folks that he has worked with in the past. And so, Danny, welcome to the show. How are you, sir?
1: Fantastic. Thanks again for having me, Kevin. I really appreciate it. And thanks to Kixie as well.
0: Well thank you so much for being here it's it's great fun and I you know I was struck you're a teacher you work with kids you work with readers you work with to help people and families figure out how to get a difficult reader to to read better and and because that's a, really is a cornerstone of life uh tell us about the movie stand and deliver <laughs>
1: Well stand and deliver I'm one of those people um Uh, everybody loves Dead Poets Society and I absolutely despise Dead Poets Society and I always compare it to Stand and Deliver. And people say, well, why do you hate Dead Poets Society? I'm like, well, Dead Poets Society is a fictional movie about uh, a boarding school, private boarding school in New England in the 1950s. And Robin Williams comes to the school and he inspires his students with poetry. Well, Stand and Deliver is a real life story uh, that takes place in the uh, 1980s in, in uh, East Los Angeles about Jaime Escalante going to Garfield High School to teach advanced placement calculus, where he inspires his students to be excited about calculus. Well, in Dead Poet Society, uh, one of the students, once he finds poetry, he feels hollow inside, and so he commits suicide and the school, they never liked Robin Williams, and so they used this opportunity to try to get the kids uh, to, to have uh, their teacher fired. Well, in Stand and Deliver, the kids take the uh, advanced placement uh, exam in calculus and they all pass it, and they the testing bureau decides that since they're from East Los Angeles, they must have cheated, and so they accuse them of cheating. Now, here's the difference between these two movies. In, at the end of Dead Poet Society, all the kids feel bad because they've gotten Robin Williams fired and he's about to leave the room. And as he's leaving the room, they stand up on their desk and they say, oh, Captain, my captain. And Robin Williams smiles and he's think, he thinks to himself, wow, they like me. I don't give a hoot if they like me or not. I like Stand and Deliver better. Stand and Deliver, what happens in that movie? The kids get accused of cheating and what do they do? They take the test over again because their teacher taught them life ain't fair. Sometimes you get accused of the wrong thing. They take the test again, they all pass it, I'm like that is the better scenario. I don't care if they like me or not. If they, if if Robin Williams was a better teacher in Dead Poet Society, the kids would have made sure he never got fired. You know, uh, uh, I, I I I hate that. I'm okay, so I'll get off my little uh, soapbox on that, Kevin. But uh Brandon deliver always inspired me because uh, uh, a guy taught. The, the students that were considered to be the dangerous students. I'll tell you what, every kid is the same. They all have the same problems. They grow up in different backgrounds. But uh, I believe if you believe in every student, uh, they will all uh, reach the level of your expectations. Sorry, long answer, short question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's perfect. Because just the other day, and well, I guess a couple of weeks back, I wanted to go through um, – uh, trivia lane and so i watched to sir with love you ah, so really. yeah with uh, sydney portier mm-hmm. and it was really very much the same thing where kids were not being guided very well and they were kind of delinquent and they had no no uh, purpose and and so they thought that they could just do whatever they wanted to do and and he came and and he tore tore them all up and changed it and and Uh, And I love movies like that, that, that especially the young people, I agree with you. I think most people, you most young people are looking for direction and they really would like to have um, a real fulfilling life, but they don't know how to get there. And sadly, a lot of teachers apparently don't know how to help them do that. Would, Would they, am I misrepresenting that?
1: No, I mean, I like, I think that, uh, you know, you and I were blessed. We had a lot of great mentors. I know I was very blessed. I had two great parents and I had a lot of great teachers. Uh, Recently, I still uh, uh, teach at the college level. And uh, one of my postgraduate students, I had uh, complimented her on a, a wonderful paper she had turned in and she said, nobody's ever complimented me on my work. And I'm like, you've gone through 16 years of schooling and nobody ever complimented you. That's that's an indictment on the system. That's crazy. I mean, you know, if you're ever in my classroom, you're going to hear a lot of encouragement. You're going to, I mean, you know, one of my role models was Tommy Lasorda, the old uh, manager for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, if you if you can listen to Tommy Lasorda and not leave feeling belief in yourself and belief in America, then you're you're a, a, a shallower person than me because that guy pumped me up every time I ever heard him speak. And so that's what I want to do. I, I always tell teachers every single day. You have a choice. You get to be Darth Vader or Obi Wan Kenobi. You can be either the darkness or the light. And, uh, you know, it takes about the same amount of effort. You might as well encourage, and uh, you never know how far a kid can go.
0: I uh, agree 100%. As a matter of fact, in my life, a lot of my mentors were coaches. Mm. Um, and they were a little league coach who, and uh, my high school football coach. And they were, they they really were. They gave, gave me a sense of purpose and a sense of belonging and all of that. And that a good school, a good teacher can, can bring that all together if, if they don't get burned out. Is that part of our problem in the school system, do you think, the teachers? Oh,
1: yeah, of course. The teachers are all getting burned out. Everybody loves to blame the schools for every single problem. People don't want to have the difficult conversations in America, things like, uh, well, a lot of kids uh, are going to bed hungry. A lot of kids are going to bed without one of their uh, birth parents present in the home. Uh, There's a lot of societal problems that are easy to blame on. I mean, I've spoken to two school districts this week just to tell you how crazy America is. One school district, the big issue was which pronoun to use. And the other school district, the big issue was, should we arm the teachers so the kids are safer? I'm like, whoa, the extremes have taken over in this country. There's a there's a common sense, a, a, a little bit of a medium between these two extremes. And uh, I'm kind of sick of hearing... Red people and blue people. I'm like, when did we become red or blue? Why don't we become red, white, and blue? It's all right if we disagree with one another. That's fine. I love it. I I always encourage my students to disagree with me. I tell them, I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm I'm here to teach you how to think. And it's great if you're questioning things. And it's great if we disagree. You just have to do it in a respectful manner. And unfortunately, uh, since our adults don't seem to be doing that such a good job of that it's even more critical that we we get our kids to uh to be a little bit better about that
0: it, it's pretty dynamic right now that that the example that adults are putting up for kids ain't so great mm. and we really should do a much better job of of, and that's one of the reasons why this show exists: is that we want to be positive, and we want to work together with each other. And you're right; we can disagree, uh, but if we're looking after the right reasons for what we are doing, which is the betterment of society, we'll come we'll come away with some positives. I think that we can work together.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I learned that in you know Catholic school uh, in second grade, Sister Rosanna. I was yelling once, and she said, oh, when you yell, it means you're losing your argument. <laughs> I thought, oh, I, I always remember that. When I hear people yelling, I'm like, no, you you can be civil and disagree with one another, I, but you should also listen to, to other people. I, you know, Maybe it's because I'm just getting older. I'm learning, um, you know, one of my favorite uh, little rhymes I used to teach the kids was a wise old owl sat in a note. Uh, the more he heard, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why can't we all be like that wise old bird? There's a lot of truth to that. I think uh, a lot of those nursery rhymes probably are the most important life
0: lessons. <laughs> why is it that you don't think, that, or why is it that we don't listen the way that either we never have, or we don't listen because we want to get our own point of view across, and we're not interested in, a real, honest-to-goodness dialogue, and to find out where people are coming from. What do you think it is? I don't know.
1: I mean, I think people. Uh, you should. Yeah, I was a journalist before I was a teacher, and so when people talk about fake news, I'm like, "There's no such thing as fake news." There's people who rely on one news source. I mean, you need to listen to different points of view, and again, you don't have to agree with those points of view, but you have to understand those points of view are out there. Um, I'm always curious when I listen to people. I, I mean, and I'm actually a person, you can sell me. If you can show me a better way, uh, I'll listen. I mean, I like to listen, but it, maybe it's, maybe it's that we're not doing a good enough job of teaching listening as a skill. We, we talk about that when I'm working with uh, corporate executives, we talk about soft skills, but I'm like, I don't know why they're called soft skills because a lot of those soft skills are the most important skills that you'll ever learn. Things like listening, things like uh, being able to, to uh, present your point of view and get people to think critically without uh, shouting, um, you know, how to build relationships with people. I, I don't think those are soft skills at all. I think those are essential and probably the most important skills that you'll have. It's kind of like, um, was it? Charles, Charles, Swindle, Charles Swindle, say that five times fast. Charles Swindle <laughs> always had that great uh, long quote, and I don't remember it. by by, word by word but he's talking about attitude that the longer he lives the more he realizes that attitude is the most important thing on the planet it's more important than education it's more important than anything because how you view it you know things happen to all of us but it's your attitude about well what how do you perceive that um you know so again i'm kind of going all over the place but uh yeah I, i guess the short answer to your question is we need to learn how to listen to one another a little bit better that's hopefully people listening in right now that they're considering different points of view.
0: Which would be, which is a really good thing for all of us. If we were to open up and, and that's one of the things that social media and the current state of media has done is it has segmented us to where you can, you can go all day, all week, all month and not listen to anybody who disagrees with you, whether or not that's true or not, or it's accurate or should be said that way. You don't have to listen to people who disagree with you, but that's how you grow is to listen to other points of view and to then critically think about it. Isn't
1: it? Yeah, I don't think Henry David Thoreau would have been quoted saying, Oh, a life well lived is one where you spend 90% of your time disagreeing with strangers on social media. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's it's a it's a crazy world that we've got. It is it's a
1: crazy world.
0: Now I I wanted to ask you because uh, you you do a hundred or more dates a year, traveling around the country. We were talking before the show that you're going to uh, um, Singapore for three yeah. weeks.
1: I'll be in then, Singapore, then, then I'll be in Iowa, then I'll be in Kentucky. All the important spots on the map.
0: And if somebody wants to hire you to come speak to them, what, first of all, what would what would you speak to them about?
1: Yeah, so my mission is to bring joy back into education and in the workplace, and I do that in four different ways. First of all, like you said, I speak all over the world to uh, schools, to organizations, to companies on how to build uh, better relationships with one another, how to uh, get your mind in a positive mindset. Secondly, I have the world's top reading engagement program online, which teaches parents in just over two months how to get their kids to read more, read better, and most importantly, to love reading. Because while I find schools do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read, they, you know, what good is it teaching a kid how to read if they never want to read? I teach kids why to read because I've never had to tell a kid, go turn on the TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And I never want to have to tell a kid, go read. I want them to choose to do it on their own because they enjoy it. Uh, Third, I uh, work with a company called Cyber Smarties based out of Ireland, founded by Dermot Hudner, which is a social media platform for kids ages 5 to 12, that teaches kids positive social media habits. So, for example, if I were to type a message to you, Kevin, I think you're ugly. It won't let me send the message. Instead, it says, that's not a nice thing to say to Kevin. Here are some positive things you could say to Kevin. And it frustrates kids so much that it slows them down that – our data shows within three days the kids will only send positive messages. And this program has single handedly eliminated cyberbullying in Ireland. Now the programs in India, Turkey, UAE, New Zealand, and I'm in charge of uh, spreading it across America. I, and I have big plans for this because it's a great opportunity for uh, schools and uh, law enforcement to work together. So we ask questions every day like, uh, How are you feeling? Well, if a kid writes four days in a row, that they're feeling angry. Well, now we're not going to tell the law enforcement agency which kid is doing it. Uh, we're just going to say, well, in this school, there's kids that are reporting anger. We need to be proactive about this. Uh, you know, it, it's crazy all these school shootings. it really concerns me. So uh, school should be a safe place environment for kids. And then the fourth thing I do is I work with um, uh, entrepreneurs, business business executives, and small business owners on how to create powerful presentations that get their audience to take the next step, whether that's to uh, purchase your product or to donate to your cause or to just invest in your idea. So uh, again, a very long answer to a short question, but I have all kinds of different uh, pots on the fire, as we like to say.
0: And your husband, and the father, and yeah. the brother, and a son, and yeah. all you, you've got a lot going on. When do you have time for all this?
1: Well, I mean, Oprah only has 24 hours in her day. Harvard did a study. They found 100 hundred years ago people only had 24 hours in their day as well. It's not about – it, it, everybody has the same amount of time. It's how do you prioritize your time. I mean, uh, when I talk to people and they can tell me, about everything happening in every single TV show. Well, that tells me how they're spending
0: their time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I, you know, and the thing, I remember when there were three channels no. Um and and one independent channel and and now I don't know have any idea how many there are. there are hundreds of these
1: things right? yeah you and I are old Kevin I mean when I was a kid I was a remote control my parents would have me turn the turn the knob and uh, when we were kids you remember this at midnight all of a sudden they played the Star Spangled Banner and there was no TV until like six or seven in the morning that's that's <laughs> the world.
0: yeah. You know? it was a, the star spangled banner. And then it would go to the, the test pattern and you'd hear this. Right. That's right. And, and so everybody had to go to bed. There was nothing to do after that. So, you yeah. know,
1: now... I remember when I was a kid, you know, I'm I telling that my kids can stream anything on their phone right now when they're right, right now. And I'm like, when I was a kid, I had to wait until like the second Saturday in April every year because that's when CBS would play Willy Wonk in the Chocolate Factory. If I had to pee, I had to hold it until there was a commercial break because I mean, it's not happening for another year. Everybody's spoiled. I'm sounding more and more like an old guy every day. Get off, mind it on. You kids, you, you know, I was telling my kids like I was alive when they invented microwave ovens. Like, you know, they did, my kids have no concept about that. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. But I, I love it. I, I mean, I embrace the technology people. Um, you know, it's kind of like I was talking to a school, uh, two weeks ago about artificial intelligence and the teachers are freaking out. Like, I oh, was going to bring know? that up. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, we have to embrace technology just so you know, the kids know about it. So you can't put your head in the dirt. You got to figure out how do you use AI, uh, to your advantage.
0: And it's, we, and we don't know where it's going. I had somebody okay. on just the other day and, and they, you know, um, what is it gp chat or what, that are, chat what
1: GPT.
0: yeah and um it developed an understanding of a language that they didn't teach it and they don't know how that happened yeah you know well, but
1: this isn't even me talking to you right now this is my ai i it, like i i've learned how i i taught my ai how to be just like me and how to answer your questions kevin long well with you
0: that's, that's darn nice of your AI to show up. And isn't it embarrassing, though, when your AI is going to be smarter than you are and say things that.
1: Well, the one thing that's good for, that's going for me is AI so far doesn't understand humor because I've tried to get it to, to create jokes and, things, and I'm like, wow, OK, I'm not, I'm, I still have a job because AI does not understand humor at all.
0: Oh, that's good news, right? It there. is good news. <laughs> yeah, in, indeed. So you're traveling all over the world and you are seeing a bunch of folks. What Give us a, a, a thumbnail sketch of the state of the United States and our school system. I think it needs a lot of work.
1: Well, there's always, you know, I could focus on all the doom and gloom. That's what the media likes to usually do. But there's all kinds of great things happening. There's all kinds of great innovations. Uh, I was interviewed a couple of days ago, and the, the anchor, she asked me about, well, which do you think are better, Danny, private schools or public schools? And my answer was yes. You know, it depends on the kids. Some kids, it's public school. Some kids, it's a charter school. Some kids, it's homeschool. Some kids, it's a vocational school. You know, there's all kinds of different we, – we try to – to, it's a lot easier to have every kid be the same, but the problem is if you're teaching 33 kids, they're probably all completely different. And this is the role of the teacher: is just like what you're talking about earlier about being a good coach. A good teacher is a good coach. Um, when I was in high school, at the awards banquet for my basketball team, my basketball coach gave me the most improved player, and I'll never forget what he said. He was saying, he said, uh, "Some players you can yell at, some players you got to talk to." Danny you got to talk to him and that just made me laugh because it's yeah because yeah I remember he pointed at me in the chest once and I got like five fouls in like 30 seconds I was just plowing over everybody and he learned oh I can't yell at Danny because Danny takes it personally you know everybody's a little bit different and you know um It's kind of, what is it, the carrot and the stick kind of uh, philosophy. I've never been much of a stick guy. I think stick might have short-term results, but I think if you really want to create people that are um, real leaders, then you've got to really uh, focus on uh, what's their internal motivation, what's the long-term motivation, how do you get a person to start believing in themselves. And I I love that. That's that's what I really miss about being a teacher was really – working with different kids and figuring out well what is it that turns this kid on? How can I, what's that light bulb? That's the reward as a coach too. I love watching. There's certain coaches I watch. I'm like, wow, this, this guy really knows the psychology or this gal knows the psychology of their teams.
0: Well, you know, I know that you're talking to me from Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And, um, first of all, I'm sorry that the air quality is bad because of, um, some, uh, uh, forest fires up north of you.
1: Dang Canadians! Yeah, Canadian fires are. We have the worst air quality on the planet, according to the news this morning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, stay inside and stay safe. But, but one of my favorite uh, uh, motivational people and coaches is Pete Carroll. Wow. Um, from the um, Seahawks and I know you have Russell Wilson now and, uh, and, and you're welcome to him. Thank you. Um, And thank you for the draft picks. (laughs) Anyway, I I digress, but uh, um, a quality coach can have the ability to impact people's lives for the rest of their life.
1: Mm -hmm. And I'm sure
0: that you remember people in your world that uh, that they had sayings and ways of doing things that that impacted you for forever Then you can, you still mentally call them up today.
1: Absolutely. Well, you don't actually, this is what I always tell people is maybe you don't have those types of people in your life, but you can still have them as mentors. I mean, I never met Abraham Lincoln, but I consider Abraham Lincoln, a mentor of mine. I can read his work. And uh, I mean, I just love it. The same thing with coaches. I never, I never got to meet coach John Wooden, uh, the UCLA basketball coach who won 10 national championships. But, you know, I can learn from his knowledge. I mean, uh, I, I, what's amazing to me when I, I look at Coach Wooden is his teacher, his, his players, he had 27 years at UCLA. And this is something that a lot of organizations should learn from is uh, he, he coached at UCLA for 14 seasons before they won a national championship. And then he rattled off 10 and 12 years so these organizations that love to fire the coach after a season or two, I mean, sometimes you got to give people a chance. Pete Carroll's a perfect example. I mean, Pete Carroll was uh, humiliated as the head coach of the New England Patriots, um, and then he, he went to USC, where I'm a huge USC fan, and he was about 88th on our list of people that we wanted to coach our team, and what happened he he took us to three national championship games and then he goes to seattle and takes them to a couple of super bowls i mean that's amazing um you know so just because you don't have that person in your life doesn't mean they can't be in your life i mean i watch film all the time of uh former nc state basketball coach jim valvano and i'm like my gosh i would have run through a wall for that guy yeah. uh lou holtz i've watched lou holtz the speaker used to coach uh, he was a national champion with uh, notre dame yep. and if you ever have a chance to watch him speak he's a hoot i mean after five minutes i realized oh that's why he was such an effective coach was his players just loved him and uh you know that's that's what I'm always looking for. I mean, I, me, I played football in high school. My offensive line coach, Coach Putnam, he was the greatest guy ever. He, he'd shout at us all the time. He's like, hey, he's like, Brissell, you're just like, what's his name? You never remember anything. And I, it's things like that I loved. Uh, or he'd have the, his other slang was, his other saying was, bite him, kick him, and slug him, but play fair. You know, that was a great <laughs> thing. Um, I, I, was a, I was a center on our offensive line, and uh, I'll never forget, because Troy Wilkinson on my right was my right guard, and um, uh, Randy Mestis was the uh, right tackle. And Coach Putnam always called uh, Wilkinson Buford, and Mestis, he always called Herkimer. And one day, Troy Wilkinson, he, he's like, why do you always call me Buford? And uh, he says, well... Well, Buford means I, – I, I can't really say this on the air. He, it means dummy. He said something much stronger than that. He's like, Buford means dummy. And then Mess This is like, well, what's Herkimer mean? He's like, Herkimer has to ask Buford what to do. And I just <laughs> – which made me – and he'd yell at us so much, his dentures would fall out. And He was just the greatest. Great, I absolutely loved that. But, I mean, I, I had – all kinds of wonderful people in my life like that, that, uh, that supported me and it it breaks my heart that not everybody has those people in their life. And this is anybody that's listening right now that wants to be a teacher. You really have that power and you, you don't have to be 20 years old to become a teacher. Some of the best teachers I know they start when they're 60 years old, they retire from their corporate gig. I mean, that's what Escalante did at, uh, for stand and delivery he was a very successful uh executive and he decided to give back to his community and teach in east los angeles and he had a huge impact on lots of lots of lives i mean and that's what gets me going as a teacher is when i realized that oprah she had a teacher that inspired her you know uh when i'm looking at my kids every day i'm like hey you know Maybe you're going to be the next president someday. Maybe you're going to be a Supreme Court justice. Maybe you're going to be a really good parent, and I had something to do with uh, inspiring you to do that. And I, I take that very seriously. I, I, I love, really one of my jobs when I'm speaking to schools is talking. Teachers and administrators off the cliff because a lot of them just want to quit. We're losing. We're losing educators left and right. I'm not going to give the states and the cities, but uh, there are two states right now that only have four day school weeks because they can't get teachers to work five days a week. There is one state that just passed a law that says you don't need a bachelor's degree to teach (laughs) to teach anymore. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, There's one city I was just in that has 2,000 teaching openings. And so right now, the student to teacher ratio is about 73 to one. And so these are the challenges that we're seeing in a lot of places.
0: And that that needs to change. We need to to change. change.
1: I was in Japan and this is, Kevin, you'll love this story. So this woman, she was so proud in her broken English. She's introducing me to her three sons and she says, this son, he is a doctor. And this son, he is a, a lawyer. And then she gets a big smile. She's like, but this son, he, he is a teacher. And I was like, wow wow look at the cultural differences how much respect they gave to the teacher there as compared to here. you know people say oh you don't know anything that's why you became a teacher i'm like well how are you going to get that it's kind of like when people criticize politicians i'm like well how do you think we're ever going to get good politicians if you criticize everybody that runs for office i mean it's you get exactly you there's a good book i i think it's great a lot of people say, say it's good it says you reap what you sow so
0: uh, I've heard of that book.
1: Yeah, it's a very, it's, it's a bestseller. Check it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we're talking with uh, Dr. Danny Brassell and uh, go to his website, which is uh, Danny Brassell.com. That's B-R-A-S-S-E-L-L.com. You've got a ton of information there. He's got 16 books that he's written. 16, isn't it?
1: 16 I'm writing number seven actually well I wrote one a couple of weeks ago but I'm not going to count it as a book because I just I just released it as an e-book and I'm giving it away for free to people so I'm not going to count that the other book I'm writing right now is really cool I'm excited about that one it's number Well, seven. we'll talk
0: about that when we come back because we need to take a quick break but but you can go to his website and I think he can you can pick up the e-book I think it's right there that you can get it and it's for free. So it would be it would be a really good idea for you to do that. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Danny Brassell. We will be right back after these quick messages. It's just two minutes, just to hang on, we'll be right back. Hey, PTR loyal listener. First, thanks for being in my dream. And second, I have a new concept in business to share with you. It's called socialpreneurship. So what's that? Well, it's the idea that any company designates all profits beyond expenses to be awarded to a local or international charity or project, which is working to achieve good in the world. KM Media is such a company. We believe that it's important for us to give back whenever possible and to make great things happen. So I hope you'll join us in creating this new business model that will positively impact all of us. In the next few weeks, we'll lay out the plan and begin our fundraising efforts. So stay tuned for more details right here on Positive Talk Radio.
1: When you want to say more than words, communicate you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is a-naturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. a-naturaldesign.com at your fingertips today.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to Positive Talk Radio. Did you know that we're also a media production company? Well, surprise, we are. We can create all kinds of audio, video products to fill any need. Please visit kmmedia.pro backslash hour-store for a complete list of products and services. In addition, do you need a great voice to add to your own website or any other project? I know that we can add depth and quality to your work. I've been told more times than I can count by many professionals in the business that my voice adds to the quality of the presentation. So let me create something for you. Please contact me at kevin at kmmedia.pro and let's create something great. And welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald and we've got a great guest for you today. He is a dare I say it, world renowned teacher and educator. And um he is a speaks over a hundred times a year. He talks to CEOs, he talks to everybody that'll listen to him about some of the great things that he he's working on. By the way, I wanted to ask you, have you ever heard of social before?
1: I have not. So I like that term. I was like, oh, that's a good one, Kevin. So tell tell us more about socialpreneurship.
0: And what it it is, is what we're, what we are dedicated to doing is, and there are companies that are starting to do this and they can be a nonprofit. They can be a for-profit. They can be a hybrid of some kind. And what the idea is, is that you work to fundraise to number one, pay your expenses so that you can, I don't know, like stay on the air or continue doing what you're doing. And then any profits that you generate, you designate a a charity or a a program that is needed in the world. As an example, I don't know if you know this, but I know you do know this. There are uh, 12 to 13 million kids that are going to bed hungry every night in the United States of America. And that is, um, in my opinion that's a crime that that should not that should not be here uh we we should be much better than that and so that's that's what we're doing um and, and to to help fundraise to make that happen and then the other one is you're you're a professional and uh um I like to think that I've got a good radio voice, so if you want to hire me to do something along those lines, you can do that too. Anyway, so that's the that's the commercial content that we've got right there. So, but social entrepreneurship, I think, is is a a great way for all of us to give back and to support causes that you believe in.
1: I love that. That's great. Well done, Kevin.
0: Well, we're <clears throat> we're going to do it. I got it. <clears throat> it's important and and by the way we're again if somebody wants you just finished the ebook and it's out and i believe it's on your website yes
1: well if you go to well i'll do this for all your list as a as a thank you for listening to me if you go to freegiftfromdanny.com again freegiftfromdanny.com i'll give you two freebies first of all you'll get a uh, an e-copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed, which is a book I wrote for a school principal who was trying to keep his faculty and staff positively engaged. So I said, okay, I'll write you a book. So every week I give you a concept, an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation <laughs> demonstrates the same concept. You can read that in five minutes. Uh, There's nothing that gets me more excited than watching uh, CEOs start their meetings with Dr. Seuss books. I think it's fantastic. (laughs) Um, And then secondly, I'm going to give everybody access to a five-day reading challenge I did online last summer for about 700 parents around the world, where every day for an hour for five consecutive days, I give you all kinds of tips to get your kids to read more, read better, and most importantly, to love reading. You can get all that at freegiftsfromdanny.com.
0: I thank you for that. That That's that's really cool. Um, you know, before I came back to doing radio, and I think I told you I was a bus driver for a period yeah, of time. Yeah, I love that. And I did not realize, and I think a lot of people don't, who in the course of their life just go about their life and they figure everybody can read. Everybody knows how to read and so forth. But there were multiple times, happened all the time, where somebody would come up to me with a schedule in hand, and I would be driving and so I can't really look at them, but I would say, or they would say, can you tell me uh, when you're gonna get to this stop or what bus I make connection to get to the here? And I said, well, it's right there on the schedule. And, but they couldn't, they didn't wanna tell me that they couldn't read it, yeah. but it became obvious that they couldn't. How does a human being survive in our society yeah. if they can't read?
1: Yeah, there's nothing more rewarding to me than working with a lot of public libraries on their adult literacy programs i mean uh there's there's people that have gone through the system and been able to fool everybody that they could read and they couldn't read anything uh fortunately there's all kinds of wonderful programs uh many of them uh created by uh, public libraries all over the world uh that will help uh, adults uh learn how to read and there's it's I'd say probably the two most rewarding things I ever go to are graduations for adults and literacy programs. And uh, if you ever go to a naturalization ceremony, everybody gripes about America. I'm like, go to a naturalization ceremony. You'll just you'll leave singing the Star Spangled Banner. You'll be so proud because you see these people uh, who come to our country. They learn more about our country than most of us that are born here. Uh, and they become really uh, the best citizens we have, the proudest and the most productive. Uh, so, uh, and that goes right along with uh, your whole mission and theme, Kevin, about uh, being positive. Uh, you know, And it, t- it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about attitude also. I mean, when people say, woe is me, I just encourage them, why don't you visit the children's hospital, the cancer ward? Uh, it'll give you some perspective really quickly. <laughs>
0: Boy, no kidding. Boy, no kidding. Uh, my philosophy is, I'll share it in a, in a nutshell, is that uh, you are a, the culmination of all your experiences, both good and bad. But if you take them from the standpoint of whatever the experience was, I'm, I'm here to learn from it and to be better because of it then you have a positive mindset and a positive attitude about it rather than a woe is me. I'm a victim. You are now the captain of your own captain, my captain. You can be captain of your own ship and you can grow to become whatever and whoever you want to be. That's my philosophy. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I'll be your Baptist in the front row saying, amen. One of my favorite <laughs> and authors is John Maxwell. And he always says that he says, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. And uh, what a great attitude.
0: And, and exactly. And it is not that difficult to do, but sometimes you need a coach or you need somebody to help you uh, get through it. And uh, when you do your coaching, um, what do you focus on?
1: Well, you know, there's lots of different people. They, they they call it like the perfect pitch or the signature talk. I call it the stump speech. You can call it peanut butter and jelly. What, what a stump speech is or what a signature talk is, a pitch, perfect pitch, is basically it's like your speaking fingerprint. It's what makes you uniquely you. And so when I work with people – Our measure of success is not that you get a standing ovation and our measure of success is not that people come up afterwards and say, wow, you're a really good speaker. Our only measure of success is that people want to take the next step with you, which is, you know, maybe it's to purchase your product or to uh, to uh, donate to your charity or to really just uh, to buy into the idea that you're pitching to people. And so uh, I'll work um, sometimes companies will fly me out. And for two days, I'll work with about eight to 10 of their executives crafting their presentations. Now I do once a month online, Uh, I'll work with about eight to 10 people. I like eight to 10 people because I get to give everybody the individual attention that they deserve. But more more importantly, when you watch other people that are struggling with, you know, some people are, are scared to death about giving a talk. And some people they're dry and they don't really get their audience engaged. And some people, they just, uh, they want to get better. Um, uh, that's what we work on. Uh, one of my specialties is adding humor and engagement to talks. Uh, uh, I work with a lot of uh, engineers who aren't known for their sense of humor. And uh, I had a guy, I'm not going to give you his real name, but he was an Indian engineer. He's very, very dry and, The way we made his talk a lot better is he starts off now, he's like, uh, my name is Majid Maharaji. Gee, I I sure hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. (laughs) And I, you know, we're not going for, you don't have to be a stand-up comedian. We're just trying to get you to get your audience to smile and realize that you're a real human being. I mean, uh, uh, I I agree with what uh, Brené Brown says. Uh, She's a wonderful speaker. She talks a lot about vulnerability. And really the first tip I give people is don't share with others your successes, share with others your failures, because not everybody in your audience has succeeded, but they have all failed. And the more you talk about your struggles, the more they're going to love you because they're going to relate to you, because all of us have had those struggles. The reason I use humor, I was uh, coaching a speaking competition recently Over 1,300 speakers and not a single one gave a funny speech. They were the most depressing speeches I've ever heard. I wanted to jump off a cliff afterwards. And here's my problem with the sad talk. Now, people get mad at me about this. I'm like, okay, I know the sad talk and emphasizing the pain is a very effective strategy. But to me, it's very manipulative. First of all, I ask people, you know, we just went through a global pandemic. A lot of stuff has happened to a lot of people. I don't need to hear your sob story. There's a lot of people hurting out there. I think people need hope. I don't think they need to hear about the hurt. Second of all, do you really wanna deliver that speech a thousand times about the saddest moment in your life? I mean, you gotta be a stronger person than me. And here's here's the third thing, which is usually what gets people angry with me. I love telling jokes. My my I have one mission is to get people smiling and laughing and enjoying life. And there's something very admirable about that. I can tell you the same I can tell the same joke thousands of times. I can stretch the truth with it a little bit, but my objective is always the same is to get you to smile. Now, when you tell the same sad story again and again, I believe after the 20th time you've said it, those are crocodile tears. It's no longer this deeply affecting thing. I, I think it's very manipulative and I see people do it all the time. And I just, I question the ethics behind it. Um, yeah, so that's, I, I'd much rather, you know, I'd much rather get people laughing than crying. I, there's enough pain in the world all right We were talking about it, that show on TV. It's the worst show on TV. It's called uh, The News. And it's the most depressing show. And it always gets people, you know, there's a reason that they, advertise antidepressants during the newscast is because we're show on TV. I, I, I like happy things. I, I think the world needs a lot more laughter.
0: And what I found in my life is that uh, people respond to happiness much better than they respond to sadness. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important that you present yourself in a happy way. And besides the fact, since you teach and coach speakers, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you because it seems to me, that most audiences when they're sitting there in a ted talk or or at a corporate meeting wherever they're vested because they're sitting there and they're taking their time yeah they are truly are interested in the success of the speaker and yet the speaker is like wringing their hands going oh they're not going to like me or what if i make a mistake or what if i say um or ah or or whatever they're vested in you and they want you to succeed. is that is that kind of right?
1: Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think uh, people are pretty cool generally and they want you to do well and I-, I take people's time very seriously. I want them you know and most of the people I-, I work with, Kevin, they really aren't speakers. They're people that a lot of them have stage fright. I mean I was working with a woman a couple of weeks ago and she was terrified and in just three hours we got her she was I mean it was like night and day. But I told her that I said, you know, I was speaking in India to a school and at at the end of of my speech, uh, this little boy comes up to me, he's about six years old and he's missing his left arm and he has tears in his eyes. He's like, how can somebody like me succeed? And so I I crouched down to his level and I said, you know, when I was your age, uh, I went to 18 different schools before I was 12 years old. I mean, every school I went to, uh, uh, all the kids and even some of the teachers called called me stupid because because I didn't speak right, I stuttered. And finally I made it to a school where a teacher took the time to work one-on-one with me and she would sing things to me. And we discovered that I could sing back without my stutter. It's kind of like the movie, uh, The King's Speech. And eventually I lost my stutter and I became a swan. Um, But what I said to that little boy, I'm like, isn't it interesting that the little boy that everybody said was stupid who couldn't talk right now gets paid incredible sums of money to travel the planet to do what? To speak. And he just had this big grin after that. And I I told him, I'm like, don't let anybody ever tell you what you cannot do. Anybody that's ever accomplished anything was told they could not do it. The fun was proving everybody it could be done. And so that's the message I want to give to, I mean, and, one of my underhanded agenda is really i like to work particularly with minorities and with women because i think they're underrepresented in speaking and i think we need to hear their voices a lot more and so i'm very blessed i i get to work with uh, a, a lot of women and minorities As a matter of fact right now i'm working one of the women i'm working with has won three olympic gold medals uh, another woman she runs a very successful real estate business uh one guy is from uh, Saudi Arabia and he's climbed the seven summits, including Mount Everest. Uh, and I, I love it because I, I think, you know, it's, it's important that kids see people that look a little bit like them just because that, that's a little mm-hmm. bit of extra legitimacy where they're like, huh, if he or she could do it, maybe I could do it as well.
0: And I think that we need to get to that point where where we all are treated equally and regardless of what our skin color is or who we love or any of that stuff that we're all uh, have the same uh, same opportunities to go do some great things. And but it's great to have examples of guys like as an example, had you told me and I remember you saying it now, but I'd I'd totally forgotten it that when you were a kid, you were a stutterer Mm -hmm. and I never would have even put you and that in the same room together. He's like, Oh, come on. No, he's, he's a professional speaker. He goes all over the world. He does it for a living. And he was a stutterer when he was a kid. I don't know. That can't be true. And, but it only just goes to show you that regardless of where you are today, that doesn't mean that that's where you're going to be tomorrow. You can do anything you choose to do. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Our story is still being written. I mean, <laughs> I, I love it that Tom Brady was a six round draft selection and every other team looked stupid. And I, I love it when New England Patriot fans say, oh, we were smart enough to draft. I'm like, yeah, you were so smart. You drafted four guys ahead of him. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, nobody knows. You look at Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was a third round draft choice in his second season, takes his team to the Super Bowl. There's there's nothing better than watching those types of people uh, that overcome extraordinary – I mean, you know, there's so many people out that I love reading biographies of successful people, very few successful people were born with a whole bunch of advantages. Most of them worked their tails off. They failed a lot. And they they kept on getting up and doing better the next time. It's one of my favorite, uh, Max Levchin. A lot of people don't know who Max Levchin is. He has one of my favorite quotes, and I'm going to paraphrase it. He said, my, my first company was a total disaster. My second one was a little bit better, but it still failed. Uh, number three was kind of all right. We were starting to get on the right track. The fourth company I started was almost right the fifth company was PayPal <laughs> so, <laughs> if it only takes you five tries to get to a billion dollars you're not doing a bad job
0: but we all have the it happens to all of us mm-hmm. is it is it um, sometimes we fail yeah. and it's okay because you learn and you and but the one thing that you cannot do is quit no. So if yeah, you keep seriously. going and you keep working at it um you will succeed at some level uh but but you can't quit you got to keep going
1: absolutely right absolutely right
0: so it's it's, it's great having you here danny because i really appreciate your positiveness and you you, you you're helping people live their lives a little bit better. Do you feel that when you go home at night and you're hanging out with your kids and your wife and just do it, do you feel like you're having an impact on the world?
1: Well, not every night, but it's nice every now and then somebody will, will write you a nice note or, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I had a a woman uh, a couple of weeks ago had written me a letter and she said, you know, I was going to quit teaching. I've been teaching for 34 years. And after listening to your speech, now I I'm going to keep on keeping on because of you. I'm like, well, that, you know, I'm trying to build up some currency. So when I go to uh, heaven, I have something to show for it.
0: <laughs> well, the way I look at it is, is this: if you whether regardless of whether you're a coach, you're a teacher, you're a speaker, you're a talk show host, you're going to have an impact on people that you will never meet. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly okay uh, or or if you are the cashier at a grocery store and you have a smile on your face and you say hello to everybody you're going to meet people that you're going to have an impact on they may not say anything and that's perfectly okay that's within their the their rights
1: just like leroy you, you you said it kevin leroy i was late for a flight at los angeles international i had to fly from la to orlando and not only was I late, I had to check a bag, which is one of my cardinal sins. Oh, my gosh. I had to check a bag. And so I was. I went to curbside, and uh, the woman in front of me is screaming at this poor, um, I don't remember what you call the guy, uh, sky cap, the sky cap. She's just screaming at this poor sky cap, uh, calling him every foul name possible. She walks away, and... I look at this gentleman and he gives me the biggest smile, Kevin. He's like, uh, good morning, sir. And how can I help you? And I said, well, first off, I got to shake your hand. And second of all, I need to know your name. He's like, Leroy, sir, what's your name? I'm like, my name's Danny Leroy. You've got to tell me your secret. He's like, what's that, Danny? I'm like, that woman was so rude to you and when i came up to you i thought you were going to be in a foul mood and you greeted me with the biggest smile and you're just so jovial what's the secret and he gives that big grin again he's like well danny is like this she's on her way to orlando and her bag's on its way to philadelphia (laughs) (laughs) that's what all of us have to keep in mind
0: (laughs) you know (laughs) and i want everybody to know that um what airport was this that was this at in the los los angeles? angeles. you met you met um um Elroy, leroy, leroy.
1: yeah
0: You met leroy in los angeles and because of the smile that he had on his face and his disposition he, his story is now all over the airwaves of seattle
1: absolutely absolutely it's fantastic
0: you never know where you're going to touch somebody, how you're going to touch somebody. So you have an obligation to make sure that you touch them in the best way that you can.
1: Well, and that, that's perfect, Kevin. I had my second grade teacher was Miss Hess in Iowa Falls, Iowa. Miss Hess was amazing. All the second graders one day were working at our, our desk and she interrupts us. She's like, class. And she holds up a pencil. She's like, raise your hand. If you can see this pencil and all of us raise our hands. And she's like, Good. Follow me. She takes us all out in the hallway. And she says, raise your hand if you can see the exit sign at the end of the hallway. And all of us raise our hands. And she's like, good, follow me. She takes us out to the playground. She's like, raise your hand if you can see that house across the street. All of us raise our hands. She's like, good. Now this is a tough one. Raise your hand if you can see the water tower five blocks away. And all of us raise our hands and she's like, good. Now here's a tough question. How far can you see? And one little girl's like, I can see a mile. And I'm like, I can see two miles. And the other boy's like, I can see five miles. And she's like, good, any farther? And all of us shake our heads and she's like, all right. Now look up, all of us look up. She's like, raise your hand if you can see the sun. And all of us raise our hands and she's like, good. Did you know that the sun is 92.9 million miles away? And the farthest any of you thought you could see was five miles. You all are grossly underestimating what you're capable of.
0: You've been listening to Danny Brussell. Go to DannyBrussell.com. Thank you so much. And by the way, be kind to everyone because each other's all we've got.